Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. Well, good morning, Free Life Community Church. How are you? Awesome, and good morning to our Mecca campus watching online, and those of you watching on our, our website and Facebook, and those of you listening on our radio station. Glad to have you this morning. How are you doing today in the, in the, in the history of the kingdom of God? What a great day to be a human and alive, amen? As we continue in our uh, sermon series, Becoming More Like Jesus, which we all should be doing, yeah? Okay, so this morning, growing by pursuing Christ. Friends, I want to tell you something. I pursued some things in my life. Has anybody pursued anything? Now, I don't mean as a cop. I did that too. But I'm talking about things I wanted to do, yeah? Okay? I pursued things I wanted. I had goals in life. I had a pretty young lady I kind of would like to be with. And, of course, I pursued and caught her. That's good stuff, right? Yeah? Good stuff? Everybody, right? We pursue things. And sometimes I think we pursue things more than we pursue God. You see, when we pursue God, we're told in the Bible that if we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, then all of the other things shall be added unto us. Amen? But see, you can't know that until you do it. you got to pursue God first. And unfortunately, in this life, we get distracted and begin to pursue other things versus him first and then we sort of pursue god as a check in the box kind of thing just to get it in i've done that before it's been said be careful what you ask for you just might get it and sometimes we pursue the wrong things and we get them and you know what how many of you wishes you could get a hold of one of your kids and say what are you doing man do you not realize that what you're pursuing and what you're doing is probably not going to turn out the way you want it to. It's probably not even good for you. And you wish you could go in and make them understand what you understand because you've been there and done that, yeah? Who remembers that cliche, been there, done that? Yeah, you've been there and done that. But they haven't been there, so they don't know that. And sometimes you've got to let them go through those things to understand. And you wish you could take it from them, but you can't. It's part of life. And yet, haven't we done the same things? There's not a person in here today that doesn't wish they could go back and change something for a better outcome. Anybody? Who, 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 who gets that? Yeah? Yeah. So you understand that we want to change our lives. But when we pursue the Christ, we pursue Jesus. He always has our best interest at heart. Always has had. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel chapter 9. Now, I did my postdoctoral work in Revelation end times, and apocalyptic theory. And here's the deal. Daniel 9 is one of those 
chapters that goes hand in hand along with Revelation. It is an amazing chapter of Daniel's panoramic view of what's going to happen in the end times. And yes, I believe we need to know what's going to happen in the end times. Why? So that we can be prepared for it and have a desire to reach people for Christ before that happens. Amen? Because nobody, I'm telling you, wants to go through the Great Tribulation. Nobody. Okay? But as important as that is, I think we need to learn more about how to live in Christ on earth today. I think that's more important than knowing what's going to happen. You know why? Because if we, if we do what Christ said and just be prepared for it, then we'll be a Christian all the time and pursue God all the time. But if we had an idea of what's going to happen and want to know when, we'll do whatever we want until just before that time, and then we'll straighten up, so to speak. And that is not what God has for us today. And I'm telling you, I lived life without Christ before. Has anybody done that? It doesn't end well. It doesn't work out well. And every day with Jesus is better than what? The day before, yeah, always. And that's the key. So, Daniel chapter 9, first seven verses, and then, and then keep your finger there, and we're going to scroll down to verse 17. And Daniel says here, In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God, and I pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands. We have sinned and have done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The men of Judah and people of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. Kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? Now scroll down to verse 17. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, O Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make request of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, listen. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear and act. For your sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Now, my friends, this sermon from Daniel explains in my mind that we become more like Jesus in several different ways. According to Daniel, he says it's through, word, through the Word of God, reading it. He says it's through prayer. He says it's through fasting. And he also says it's through humbleness. And I have to tell you that you're going to have to do more than just pray. We're going to have to seek the Lord, as the Bible says, with all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our strength. 
We're going to have to pursue him like we've never pursued anything else before. We're going to seek him while he still may be found. And we're going to have to do it with all of the fervor and the determination and the desire that we pursue other things in life. And then some. Because only then are we going to get a hold of God and make a change in our world. Friends, I've been alive for 58 years. I know I don't look it. (laughs) But I am. And I'll tell you what I've seen. Now that's kind of trying to be kind of cute there but the fact is I'm being serious now I've seen a change in my society that is not for the betterment of our society our nation and our world need Jesus Christ more than ever before we truly truly need Jesus Christ more than ever before and every human alive whether they think so or not needs Jesus amen we need to pursue him Now, it may surprise you that I've chosen an Old Testament scripture to talk about pursuing Jesus. But I think it's very fitting. Because in Daniel chapter 9, we find the recorded response of Daniel, who is absolutely known here as a man of God. Everybody he's in captivity with knows he's a man of God. And he's not afraid. Daniel does a lot of things. The king tells him, you cannot pray and open to any God except for the statue that I'm going to set up. What does Daniel do? Rather than being afraid, he opens up the doors and windows and stands out there and prays to God. And they knew he would do it. He's not afraid because he knows that God is higher and greater than any any human or any man or anybody that gives such a command. He puts God in his place and he sees himself in his. And we find, my friends, that after he had been shown the visions of the ancient of days the son of man as well as the ram and the goat and if you understand Daniel you know what I'm talking about he was then given the interpretation of those dreams and immediately Daniel goes into prayer mode he not only goes to prayer but he also enters into a fasting he denies himself and our focus today is on what Daniel did and said while he pursued his God now one of the best ways to pursue God is to pursue him in the manner of those in the scripture, to get the example of those of what they did and how they pursued God. David was considered a man after God's own heart, even after he had sinned terribly, yeah? But God restored him, and he was a man after God's own heart. Friends, every one of us can be a a man or woman after God's own heart, and it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, or what you haven't done. Satan will tell you it does, but God says it doesn't. God says, I will restore you. And praise God, he has. Amen? I'm grateful. He's restored me. So today, we want to talk about that, my friends. We want to talk about what that means and how to do it. So this passage gives us some hints, some instruction on how to fast and pray in ways that will help us, my friends, to stay focused on God. Because, see, society is ruled by Satan. We know that because the Bible says that it is. Is he not the prince of the air and the prince of this world? Yes. But God says, I've already defeated him. Yeah? And all you have to do is focus on me. Friends, have you ever had a day when it felt like Satan was all around you? you ever felt like the, the, his demons were like climbing on your back? Anybody ever felt that before? Right? He's good at it, isn't he? he at first, it's kind of like, it, you know, I've been enjoying sitting out on my porch, on my back, porch, uh, back patio. You know, my wife and I have some 
you know, some tables and, and we have a grill out there and stuff like that. And so we kind of hang out in our swing and that sort of thing. Uh, and we enjoy the, the breezes and, and looking at nature. We have, you know, some wooded area behind us and all that. And we enjoy watching that. And every now and then, you know, I'm, I'm, I know that the mosquitoes are coming out more and more and sore flies and that sort of thing. And, you know, they just, you would think that when you swat at them and darn near kill them several times, they would get the idea, probably that's not a good place to land. But they keep coming back. Now, I know why mosquitoes do it, because they want to suck on your blood, right? They want, that's how they get their nourishment. And only the female mosquitoes do it. Did you know that? Yeah, I'm not, nope, I'm not making any pun there. I'm just saying that's the ones that do it. Because they use it because that's, that's how they breed and make more mosquitoes, you see. And so mosquitoes, and I, I question God about this. God, I understand a lot of things you created, but mosquitoes? Does anybody ask, you know, wonder why God did certain things? But the fact of the matter is it's not ours to question. They're there. But they are pesky. And, they keep, and I feel like Satan's kind of like that. Like he's kind of, you know, pe- pesky around me. It's like, man, man, get off me. Right? Here's what I found out. He's going to keep coming back until you say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. Bye-bye. Too bad, so sad. Bye-bye. You gone. You done. Jesus said, get behind me. Focus here. Why is it that we want to fight Satan and his cronies in our own strength? Why would we do that? And yet we have. And Daniel says, no, don't do that. You need to engage in Scripture because it will help you to focus on Christ. Now, I want you to understand something. Here's a blunt statement. No word equals no faith. Little word means little faith, and much word equals much faith. The more time in the Word of God you are, the more faith you're going to expand. you understand that? Satan wants to keep you so busy that you're not spending time in the Word, you're not spending time on your knees in prayer. Anybody in here can tell me that that's true? Do you know for a fact that you've seen Satan move in such a way that he keeps you so busy that you didn't have time for God and his Word? Who's done it? Come on, get your hands up. Guys, get your hands up. Come on. <laughs> you can't hide. And, and, and why would you want to? Is, could, would anybody in here be willing to admit you could have spent a little more time in the Word this week than you did? Yeah, yeah. It's always that way, isn't it? Who wants you to spend time in the Word and who doesn't? And why is that so? Now, I've chosen the word engage for a reason. One, that's what people of faith do. They engage. It's a deeper meaning and effectiveness if we engage rather than simply study, read, and apply. You know, there's a big difference between study, read, and apply. I, listen, I, even as a pastor, I've done it. I know I need to spend time with God, and about every morning, right here's where I, stand, I spend my time, you know, and spend time with the Lord, and, I, and more times than I, I end up right here, you know. And, and the fact of the matter is, Satan does what he can to keep me from starting there because he never wants me to get here. Yeah? And sometimes, let's face it, I'll check a box. I'll get my devotion in real quick. See, some pastors do their devotions at the same time they do their, their sermon preparation. So whatever they do their devotions on, they end up with a sermon. I don't do that. I don't do that because I believe that God, and I trust him to give me a word for you, but also I need my own time with him and what he wants to teach me. You know? And so I want to spend my personal time with him for no reason other than I'm just hanging out with him. We're going to talk about that, hanging out with God here in a few minutes. 
And so I want to hang out with, with, with him. I want to know what he has for me. I want him to encourage me. For no other, not that I'm going to him for some reason, but just so he can touch me because I need that. And Satan will get me to a point where I don't think I've got time to do it because I've got all of these other things to do. And let's face it, we're busy people, you know? The gadgets that we have today were designed to give us more time so we're not so busy. I got news for you. They made us busier. We have less time than we've ever had before. I don't know the cell phones are a good thing, but we all have them. I remember the days when the phone rang, you had to go to the room it was in to get it. And then, we, of course, we started putting them in diff, you know, several different rooms. And now you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody with a landline in their house. Yeah? Because we carry it with us all the time. I don't know how we lived before. Right? I don't know how we ever did it. And I remember the doot, 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 doot. But I also remember the doot, Yeah? And now it's ringtones. <laughs> yeah? We're engaged. But it's not always with God. Yeah? We're more engaged. We will drop what we're doing to answer our cell phones a lot of times. Have you ever been in prayer or reading your scripture and the phone rang and you dropped what you're doing with God and gave priority to somebody else? Yes or no? Come on! You know you have. Some of you are not raising your hands, and I can't see it because you don't. Okay. All right? Uh-oh. But the fact of the matter is, that's, that's life. That's who, that's who we are. And Satan wants us to do that. Not that cell phones are bad. They're not. But he will use your cell phone and people to distract you from God. Amen? And that's not the only thing he'll distract you from. Yeah? He will use all sorts of things. That's why engagement is so important. And this is why Paul was communicating uh, to us when he said in Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. And so I began to think about that, and I thought I love the way that the uh, Christian Standard Version puts it because it says, not, it says what is heard. You see, there's a difference between listening and hearing. And all you got to do is watch somebody playing video games. You try to talk to them. Have you ever done that? <laughs> now, you know they heard you, but were they listening? No. And that's why you got to go back to them again and again and again. See? Sometimes t we do it with television and other things too. It's, it's interesting how we're so laser focused on these things, but not on him. And the time, I'll bet you a dollar to a donut, and don't make any cop jokes, but dollar to a donut, okay, that you will find that our youth and our children spend way more time on video games than they'd ever do learning about Jesus Christ. Huh? And I'll bet you it's true about our adults and our, and our, and our elderly too. I'll bet you a dollar that we spend more time doing other things and then when you get older and then older and then older, you find that you spend more time with God and you think, gosh, I wish I'd done this when I was younger. Anybody done that before? I know it. So this is the point. We need to focus on the word because when you focus on the word, you're focusing on Christ. And the message of the Bible is the message of Christ. That's what he's talking about. Because when you do so, Jesus tells us in John 5, 39, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. Now listen to this. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Now clearly, Jesus is proving to us that focusing on the word is what? Focusing on him. Why? Because he is the word. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Thank you, Heather. Amen? Right. So, for us to become like Jesus, we must engage with the Scripture regularly, intentionally, yeah, and devotionally. Not just read it, not just study it, and certainly not just hear it. We have to listen according to the Scripture, and do what it says. Paul tells Timothy, don't just listen, do what it says. James says, don't just listen, do what it says. Amen? You can't do what it says if you don't know what's in there. That's why we have to engage with it. And we can't understand God without knowing God. Hey, how many of you think you can understand God completely? Anybody? Does anybody in here really completely understand God? Because I don't. I think the day is going to come when we will. But right now, as humans, it's pretty difficult. Because God says that my thoughts and my ways are not your thoughts and ways. Mine are higher than yours. I'm paraphrasing a little. But that's what he said. But he says, in this earth, you should pursue me to the point that you close the gap between my ways and thoughts and your ways and thoughts. And I know he did that with me because when I met Jesus Christ, he radically changed me. Is anybody here radically changed because of Jesus Christ? He makes the difference in you. It doesn't matter where you came from, no matter who you are. The change is apparent and it's immediate. Now, you've got a lot of learning to do when it happens, but you are forever changed because of meeting Jesus Christ. And so in our text... Daniel was reading Jeremiah, and it struck him deeply. And he declared, I, Daniel, understood from the books, according to the word of the Lord and the prophet Jeremiah, that the number of years for the desolation of Jerusalem would be 70. And it struck him. He's like, I'm living in that right now. 70 years. Hey, that's a lifetime. That meant that some people and a lot of people that were in captivity were never going to get out of it. Right? If, if somebody overtook the United States and we were in captivity for 70 years, a lot of us would never see the end of that. Amen? They would never. Why? Because we don't live much longer than 70 these days. Some people go to, into their 90s and do 100. Carol just told me she got a friend that's 100. Great. But let's face it. Does everybody do that? No. In fact, the average in the United States is 68. So uh, I'm hoping we all get past that. But the fact of the matter is, that's a lifetime, right? And so Daniel knew something had to change. Something had to change. And so the thing that prompted and fueled his prayer and fast was the word of God. It wasn't just necessary to him. It was imperative. So he immediately, he doesn't worry about what everybody else is going to do. He says, I'm just going to worry about what God's told me to do. And that's to pray, right? To focus on God and keep praying. And focus on God some more and keep praying some more. Right? He didn't put a timer on it. He didn't say, well, I think for what's going on, I can pray this day and this day, and that should do it. He didn't say, well, I think I'll pray for 10 minutes, and I think that's pretty good for today. He said, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to fast, and then I'm going to pray, and I'm going to seek the Lord, I'm going to pursue him, and I'm going to keep pursuing him until God gives me an answer or helps me understand. We have to engage with the Scripture. And as we're reading and praying about things, the Word of God will teach us, it will give us illustrations, and it will give us declarations. It will show us what's important, what's sort of important, and what's not so important. 
It will teach us how to prioritize the things in our lives. And it will help us focus on Jesus Christ, which is what we have to be doing. Now, friends, I think the church and Christians in general have become massively complacent about our spirituality. Now, you know, you might say, well, I'm not, and maybe you aren't. That's fine. But a lot of people in the church are complacent about their spirituality. Would you agree that's, that's probably true? You know, we're kind of seeing it, you know, because the church isn't nearly as powerful as it used to be. Agreed? Washington doesn't listen to the church like it used to. Our politicians don't listen to the church like it used to. We're not the lobby we used to be, right? You know it's true. Yes or no? Okay. I'm not being political. I'm just saying this is true, you know. And the church is in the minority of peoples now. Used to be most people in the world were Christians. Now, very few are Christians in per capita of the amount of people in the world. How many of you knew that? Knew that? Less and less. And getting less and less. And it's interesting to me that people who have less in the world depend on Jesus more than those who have more. Isn't that interesting? And you would think that in this nation, we would know that. And regardless of how much we have or don't have, we would pursue him. But we haven't, unfortunately. And that's what we're talking about here. And to tell you the truth, I've, I've come to the conclusion that God's not going to tolerate this much longer. He's just not. I think the word of God is clear he's not. But more than that, as I've spoken numerous times, I think we've made up our own brand of Christianity sort of as we go along in life. We've made up our own brand. And Christians, by and large, have definitely made modern beliefs more about their feelings and their own preferences versus what the Word of God says. We're good at that. It shouldn't matter what church you go to. The Word of God should be the Word of God. Shouldn't it? It doesn't matter what version you're reading. It's like I told you. Yes, there are more accurate versions of Scripture than others. I get that. But to me, which one do I think you should get? You know. The one you'll read. I really don't care what you buy as long as the Word of God. Read it. That's what God wants us to do, to engage in His Word so that He can teach us. But more than that, even if all Christians haven't really, you know, become complacent per se, what we have done is gotten complacent about the Word of God and our pursuit of it. We might love Jesus. We might come into church and, and, and sing and praise and, you know, and go to Bible studies and, and we might serve and do things, but are you in the Word for just pursuing God? Well, it's just you and Him. See, Christianity isn't about doing things. It's about letting God transform you. God changes you from the inside out, right? And I've showed you this on, on the timeline before. You know, when you first get saved and you, and you were outside of God, the changes are radical. Everybody says, what's gone into you? What happened to you? Because you start not doing certain things you used to do. You start beginning to do things that you never did. And you start putting Christ as a priority in your life. And it changes you from the inside out. But the longer you go, you know, and you're becoming more like Jesus, the changes that he makes every day aren't quite as noticeable. They're more subtle. And others might not notice them, but you know. You know when your attitude has been adjusted. Amen? You used to act a certain way, and now because of Jesus, you don't. And sometimes Jesus will, will, will get a hold of you in the middle of the action, yeah? Like, you know, you, know, you know, I struggle in driving, right? You know that some people cannot drive out there. And I, 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 sometimes I just go. And there have been times I want to say something, and my grandkids used to catch me saying something, 
and they would repeat it, and then my children would say, uh, hey, by the way. So I've had to learn, and no, it's not, don't say things around your grandkids, it's let God change you. Amen? Let God change you. All right? Don't be angry because somebody's not driving the way you want them to. That's an attitude adjustment. And I was never, you know, terrible about it, but I'd be like, oh, come on, man. You know? And God's changing me in that because he's the only one can do it. And there, there, we all have all sorts of things that God needs to change in us to draw us away from what we are. I think we've just become too relaxed about how often we read it, how often we study it, how often we meditate, and how often we apply it. And if we engage in it, all those things will fall into line. The word of God is clear in Joshua 1, 8, and 9. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, I doubt seriously that any of us has the word of God on our lips and meditate on it day and night. I'm just being honest. Now, being realistic, probably we're not. And I don't even know what that exactly looks like. But I know I can do better. Anybody? I know I can be better in the Word of God. Anybody with me? I can be better. I know that. And so I think we might consider, you know, being in the Word day and night is kind of a bit of excessive. But God says it isn't. Because that's what he directed Joshua and indeed all believers to do. So God doesn't consider spending time with him excessive, no matter how much it is. I don't think you can overdo it with God, right? You can overdo a lot of things, yeah? You can overeat, you can overplay, you can overwork, you can overdo, overmedicate, right? You can overdo a lot of, but spending time with God, can you ever overdo that? No, but society and people will tell you you can. God doesn't, God doesn't say that. See, these are, these are tidbits and nuggets that we've got to grasp today. You've got to grasp them. Because when we do this, it's called engagement. And unfortunately, the church today doesn't want an engagement with the Word of God. We just want to be friends with it. Ooh, put that in perspective. We probably ought to put that somewhere. Pastor Jonathan's not here anymore, so I've got to find somebody else to do it. But we need to have that posted somewhere. The church of today, Christians of today, don't necessarily want an engagement with God. They just want to be friends with Him. Big difference. Amen? Clearly, this is going to be a problem if we don't. Secondly, we need to approach God with surrender and humiliation because that keeps our focus on Christ. You understand? Daniel felt compelled to pursue God through a deeper means, and he admits that when he had read the Scripture, it motivated him to pursue God through prayer and fasting. And so Daniel is clear that prayer, petitions, and fasting Speak to our practices. Hear this now. Hear what I'm saying. Prayer, petition, and fasting speaks to our practices, but sackcloth and ashes define our attitudes. Right? Listen, Daniel is saying sometimes we go to the Lord with the wrong attitude. Yeah? Yeah? 
Has anybody ever gone to the Lord with the wrong attitude? Sure you have. Sure you have. And Daniel says, look, I came to God through an attitude of humble surrender, not an attitude of entitlement. I came through humble surrender, not through entitlement. Sometimes I think as Christians, yes, we're to be bold in our pursuit of God. Yes, we're to be bold in approaching the throne. I get that. But you can't walk in there in God's throne room and say, hey, by the way. Right? But we're used to doing that. We're used to getting our way. In fact, Burger King used to have a slogan. I'm not picking up Burger King. They had a slogan, you can have it your way. Yeah? And so I, I think that was a customer service thing, and now I, wish they, I think they think they wish they would never said that. You know? Because we're in a society today that we always want our way. And I think sometimes as Christians, we sort of approach God thinking God ought to do things. We have, a, we have a, an attitude of entitlement just because he saved us. <laughs> I, friends, we don't have, Rick Warren is right, it's not about you. In his book, The Purpose of Life, I've said it for the last three weeks now. It's not about you. It's the first line in the book. And I'll bet you somebody read that and put it down and said, well, it is about me. That's sad. But when it, when it comes to God, it can't be about you because it's always about him. And he says that when the people of God, Daniel does, humble themselves under God's mighty hand, he will give us grace and mercy and he will lift us up no matter the circumstances. James 4.10 and 1 Peter 5, 5-6 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. If you, anybody want to be lifted up by the Lord today? Humble yourselves before him. Peter says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Boy, that's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> you tell your kids that, they're like, nah, <laughs> right? Humble yourselves and submit to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may what? Lift you up in due time. The day is going to come when Christians are high and lifted up, seated beside the Christ. Amen? I'm deliriously excited about that. Because God's going to prove his promises are real. I want to be there. Anybody want to be there? See, Daniel realized that God was all-powerful, that God could do all things. He also realized he could approach God, but how he approached God, my friends, how he did it was paramount on how God would respond. I mean, right? It's, it's true in our, it, for, for humans. I mean, if somebody comes up to you and asks you for something and they do so in, in a respectful and unentitled way, chances of you doing it are pretty good. But they walk up to you demanding it, are you going to do it? Probably not. I mean, listen, I'm not going to tell you what you should or shouldn't do. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of homeless people out there. There are people that are struggling with all sorts of things, and I get that. And whether you should help them or not is not up to me. It's between you and the Lord. I think God will, will, will tell you to help some and others he won't. That's okay. Because he knows the heart probably better than we do. And so and you can't, I can't help everybody. I know you can't either. I want to, but I can't. The church can't. But the person 
who says, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm down on my luck here. Can you help me? Uh, you okay? But the person says, hey, you got 10 bucks? Probably not. You know? That's just, right? Now, I'm not asking people to grovel for help. I'm not, I don't, I don't think anybody should do that. But I think sometimes we translate our life in society to our, our relationship with God. And God deserves better than that to, from all of us, doesn't he? You know, I don't know, understand, I think we understand the concept today. We live in this entitled society and it has unfortunately slipped into the church, I think. And again, it's not about us, but we want it to be. We want it to be about us. We will actually pick and choose churches based on how the worship moves us or it doesn't. That is not the reason to choose a church. Is it? It's not. You shouldn't demand a certain style or type of worship. Some people fight over whether we should do choruses, whether we should do modern stuff, or whether we should just do the hymns. Some people think we should do a mix. Listen, here's what I'm going to tell you. How your church worships does not matter. Not this much. Because it isn't about you. There are people out there that do not know who Jesus Christ is. They don't. And they are not going to come in here on songs from 200 years ago. They're not. Because they won't, it won't resonate with them. They won't understand the, the melody, the beat, none of it. But the modern society has given us songs that are catchy. They're, you know, it, the, the lyrics are important. But when you take the lyrics out, what gets them is the music itself. So if you, and, and Charles Wesley was brilliant. He took old bar tunes that people knew were familiar, they had a catchy beat in the time, and he wrote hymns toward the Lord based on that music, and people were enamored with it. And that's exactly what we're doing today. And friends, I may not like some, uh, you know, Pastor Chris, is Skillet still out there? Okay, so there, I can't even understand what Skillet is saying most of the time. But that's, it's not for me. But the lyrics are dead on when you read them. See, this is the point. It, uh, we need to stop worrying about what we like and start doing things that people out there will be drawn to so that they can hear the message of Jesus Christ when they come in. The message from the Word of God, the message from the prayers, and the fellowship of the community of believers in the church. That's what's going to change our community. And we're going to have to take what's in here out there. Out there. That's what we have to do. And we can't approach God with surrender and humiliation if we want to stand here and say, well, this is the way I want it. You're not going to get anywhere with that, friends. And, you know, I want to walk in like this. Amen? I'm telling you, I can worship the Lord in any church that belongs to Christ. I can worship. I don't care what it is, I can do it. I don't care what the people are inside. I don't care what their traditions are. I don't care if the pastor's any good or he's not, or she's not. I don't care. Because I can meet God when I go to meet him. He will always meet with me. Amen? And if this is the fellowship of believers that I'm in, then I'm going to do it. We've been on vacation, my wife and I have. We've gone to churches we didn't know anything about. Some of them were very different than us, didn't even know what they were until we went in. And you know what I found? Even if I didn't agree or, or was familiar with some of the things they did or didn't do, guess what? Me and God can meet right here. Right here we can. Right here. Right here. Why? Because I'm all in. I'm all in on him. And that's where God's going to meet with me. 
I'm getting goosebumps. Why? Because I'm passionate. Yeah, I'm passionate about people coming to Christ. Again, it's not about what we want. It's about what he wants. We're going to have to stop focusing on ourselves. We're going to have to stop going to God, trying to get things from him. He'll give us everything we need anyway. We just need to present ourselves to God and surrender before him, just be in his presence. And this is a very special place, believe me, because I've done it. And I want to ask you something. When's the last time any of you went to God just to hang out? When's the last time you just went to hang out with God? Friends, I'm telling you, it's unbelievable when you do, and it brings me to another thought. There's prayer, and then there's dedicated prayer. And they're different. What time we got here? Okay. I'm working on it. <laughs> Praying is talking to God. We've established this over and over and again, and most of us understand it, I think. But fasting is denying ourselves of food or some other physical pleasure. Uh, some people, you know, you, you've got you know, sugar issues and you can't deny yourself food, but you can deny certain things in your life. Yeah? And all it's designed to do, it's not, just, it's not to, you know, to, to take something away from yourself and, and self-discipline yourself. No. It's made that you deny yourself of something and spend that time and effort with God. That's what it is. We want to focus on God so we can receive something supernatural from God. Jesus told the disciples when they were trying to cast out a demon, they couldn't do it. And Jesus said, well, this, he said, why couldn't we do it? And, and Jesus said, well, this type takes special prayer and? This type takes special prayer and? Special prayer and? Okay. I want to make sure you get it because, listen, it isn't just about getting on your knees and saying, okay, God, whoop, not going to do it. All right. Well, I tried. Pursue God. Deny yourself of some physical pleasure, whatever it is. Somebody in here gave up chocolate once. Who was, give up chocolate? Somebody else gave up sodas for a while? I think we all probably went back after the period of time, but, but right, we gave them up. And this is a good thing. You won't hurt from not having Coke or chocolate. But if you have the ability to deny yourself a meal a day or several days without meals, I'm telling you, it will humble you. It really, who's done that? Anybody? Yeah. It's, it's almost like, you know, here's the thing, okay? And I love this, too, because every now and then, uh, you know, I, I have, you know I, have, I have colon trouble. And so every now and then, I start, I don't know what happens, but it, it feels like I'm always bloated. And I'm not trying to take it down my medical record, but here's the deal. So I'm always looking for ways to detoxify and flush, you know what I mean? That's kind of a, and that's like the big thing, because we get rid of toxins that way, you know? Has anybody done that, done body flushes like that where you can, yeah. So here's the thing. I think we need to do a spiritual flush too. I think we need to detoxify from the garbage we're in every day. Anybody with me here? We need to detoxify, okay? And so doing this will help you with that. You can eat, uh, and here's what Daniel did. He ate, well, I think he probably drank fruit juices, although it doesn't say that. But, um, but, I, but he's, fruits and vegetables is all they ate, yeah? And not only that, they drank water we could do the same in fact i think pastor chris has the daniel plan right you have it somewhere somewhere yeah there is there's a, it's a whole diet kind of thing uh, joel didn't you you and jennifer you guys did that didn't you oh you okay you, becky did it okay what are you doing back there you're supposed to be over here oh anyway 
Anyway, so you, you see, this, these are things we can do, and I think we should. And that's the point. And God can restore us when we detoxify. Because sometimes we haven't focused on God like we should, and we've gotten caught up. And when you intentionally detoxify, it puts your focus back there on him, because that's what you're doing it for. And now God can detoxify you. In Daniel's case, he was seeking mercy, favor, and restoration of God in the lives of Israel, the people of Israel, who he was tasked with serving. Okay? I don't know what God will do with us. God may put a person or a community on our hearts and minds that we focus on them rather than ourselves. Amen? I'll bet you somebody in here has a neighbor that they've never met. And maybe they're a different age than you. Maybe they're a different race than you. Maybe they come from a different upbringing and background. Who cares? None of that matters. Because wouldn't they be a great Christian if they're not? Wouldn't they be a great Christian? Would they? Yeah. See, this is the point. And so God is teaching us through Daniel that you and I should be aware of our, our sins, our past and our present, and the sins of the people we love and serve, and then humbly plead with God for his mercy, his favor, his restoration for us and them. Because we're all part of this thing, you see. And remember, we shouldn't consider our past sins out of condemnation, but out of awareness. We should know where we came from. We should know, listen, every person in their testimony ought to know, let me tell you what God did for me. And I, haven't I told you that before? When people ask me, what's your God going to do for me? Well, I don't know, but I can tell you what he did for me. Amen? Because God can change anybody. Because, friends, if he changed me, he can change you. Yeah? I was one of those people when I was a teenager who didn't think I needed God. And it took me around about 15 years for God to say, yeah, you do. Anybody? Everybody in here needs God, and so does everybody out there. Why? Because... God is necessary in the life of every person. Now, clearly, once our sins are forgiven, they're also forgotten, and we should not continue to feel bad about them or punish, self-punish ourselves. And neither should we allow Satan to punish us either because Christ already died for that. You understand? But I do believe that Paul is clear about this in Romans 8. He says there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, but he also is clear that we must remember where we came from and know that Christ is the reason and the difference. Yeah, because we know what he did. We should remember what we were outside of Jesus when we were lost. And it will compel us to be mindful of how much we need him every day and be grateful that he did what? Saved us when we didn't deserve it. Amen? That's what we have to do. Now, when this happens, friends, it will keep us out of complacency in our Christianity. The word of God is clear. Deuteronomy 8. You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Yeah? In Revelation 2, 5. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. God wants us to know and remember what dug us out of the miry clay, and set our feet on the rock to stay. Amen? And we need to remember that's where it came from. Because every now and then, you're on the rock, but one foot's down there in the miry clay, sucking you down, and you're like, mm-mm, mm-mm, I know where this is going. Anybody? And I want to get right back up here with both feet on this rock. Help me, Lord. Because that's where it's going to be. And that's what we have to do. If you're truly desirous of pursuing Christ, then how you approach him is important. And you're going to have to have an attitude 
of surrender and an attitude of being humble. And then and only then can it truly be about him and not you. Lastly, we have to seek God through supplication because it keeps our focus on Christ. Now, there's a word, supplication. Everybody in here is like, what? Supplication, what does that mean? Anybody not know what supplication means? It's okay. Who knows what supplication means? Do you? Well, let's find out. You know, because that's a big word, and we don't use it often. It's a word that few Christians understand, but supplication's definition is the action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. That's what supplication is. So here's a thought about it. I think most Christians are serious about approaching God in prayer. Would you agree? I think Christians are really serious about approaching God. The only thing is, how long are we serious about it? We seem to pray for a bit, and if nothing happens, then we lose interest or interpret it to mean that God isn't going to do anything about it. Right? Supplication means that we should pursue God in prayer and through His Word and never quit and never let go. Right? That's what it means, see? Jacob did exactly this when he wrestled with God in Genesis 32. Now, I may not have wrestled with God specifically or physically, but I am sure that I have wrestled with issues and things in my spiritual life. Has anybody wrestled with things in your life? Especially spiritual things? Sure you have. Sure you have. I've wrestled with things I don't understand. I've wrestled with things that I wanted answers to, and I wanted them right now, by the way. I've wrestled, my friends, with my own purpose in God's kingdom sometimes. I've wrestled with timing issues. God, why, if you're going to do these things, why not do them now? Why wait? You know, come on, God, what's, I'm trying to understand. And God's like, are you? Are you really trying to understand, or what are you trying to do is question me in my timing? And there's a difference. And I'm like, well, now I've got a decision to make. Am I going to be honest with God and myself? Or am I going to keep pushing the bad situation? See, this is, this is what we have to do in here. We have to know if our attitude toward him is right. And if we're honest, all of us wrestle with certain issues. Sometimes it seems as though we're at odds with God and we wrestle with him directly. Has anybody ever wrestled with God before? Yeah. Here's what I'm going to tell you. It's okay. It's okay to wrestle with God. God expects you to wrestle with Him. But in the end, He wants you to know that He's going to win. And when He does, He wants you to come out better for it. He wants to teach you something. He wants to guide you, help you, make you understand certain things. It happened in the Scripture. Supplication helps us during these times. In his prayer, Daniel talks to God extensively about God's goodness and yet the sinfulness and shortcomings of the people that he's serving. He, he, he put, notice he doesn't say, well, you know, God, I've been good, but they haven't. <laughs> right? He knows he's part of it whether he wants to be or not. He might be doing the right things, but he's still part of that humanity. I mean, God didn't pick and choose who was going to go into captivity and took on the bad ones and let the good ones stay. No. They all went. And friends, I want news for you. If you're a Christian, when the world starts going down the tubes, and it is, you're going to go with it. You do, you, you do realize that, right? You don't? You don't realize that the church isn't going to be saved out of that? 
The church will be saved out of the great tribulation. That's true. And, and is anybody grateful that Christ is going to come and rapture the church to take us home? Anybody grateful for that? That day's going to come. And Jesus said, you won't see the great tribulation. I'm eternally grateful for that. But Jesus never promised us or the disciples that we wouldn't be part of the birth pains of the things that begin it. And that means we're going to have to go through some tribulation a little bit. Yeah? He said, don't be surprised. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will. So don't be surprised when it happens. You're not exempt from all that. But that ought to compel you to keep your feet focused, or your feet on the ground and your eyes focused. Your spirituality focused on Him. Daniel declares to God that God has always been a covenant keeper, but His people have been covenant breakers. That's true today. He realizes that praying with honest confession and reverent acknowledgement of God's goodness, His righteousness, and His holiness will keep us focused on Jesus Christ. It's almost an eye-opener of who we are in comparison to God. And I think God wants to keep us humble by helping us to see who we are without Him, but who we are in Him, based on who He is. And that's, that's a difference maker for me. Now, you know, I think it's going to bring us a reverence and respect for God that He deserves. And friends, I'm not so sure the church truly puts God in a higher position than ourselves. I know society doesn't. I know society doesn't. Anybody here know society doesn't? It won't. Is society a rebellious peoples against God? Well, sure, they're trying to take God out of everything. And they're winning. But they can never take God out of here. Can they? Okay? So what's the church doing? Are we going to have a slogan, if you can't beat them, join them? Or are we going to stand firm and say, nope, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Remember, Jesus said there's going to be sheep and there's going to be goats. How many of you are aware of that? Sheep and goats. And he's not talking to the unsaved or unbelievers. He said there's going to be sheep and goats. There's going to be a narrow gate and a wide gate. And the people who believe they're Christians in the church today, the majority of them are actually going to be goats and go through the wide gate, and they, they're going to be like, wait a minute, I'm not a goat. And God's going to be like, yeah, you are. Because only the sheep know my voice and heed my commands. And that's a smaller gate because there's a lot less of them. That's going to happen. You can't, there's no way to interpret that any differently. That's what it means, and that's what's going to happen. And if any pastor says otherwise, they're not telling the truth. I don't like it any more than you do. I wish it weren't so, but it is so. How, how, how many of you know that that's true? Yeah, it's true. Now, I'm not here to bring a Debbie Downer to this whole thing. And not, nobody here named Debbie, right? Okay. I don't want to cast a, you know, a net or a cloud over this, because I think this has been pretty upbeat. But this is going to happen, my friends. So we need to be on the right side of this. Amen? We need to be on the right side of it. And so we have to be reminded of who God is, and supplication is going to help that. And still, one more thing you've got to remember as our worship team comes. Don't be afraid or reluctant to go to God in prayer, regardless of the situation. You know, when I would screw up and, and do something bad, you know, uh, the last thing I wanted to do is face those in authority over me particularly my dad, because I knew what it was going to bring. And dad, if you're listening, and I'm sure he probably is, I knew what was coming. When dad found out, and I knew dad found out, the last thing I wanted to do was go to dad. Usually dad had to chase me down and say, hey, we need to talk. And usually dad came pulling the belt off when he did it. Now today we'd say that's child abuse. Well, 
that's how things were disciplined back then. I don't, I, I don't today ever think I was abused by my dad. But I sure got the message. Now, I'm not telling you what you should do in that. But what I'm going to say to you is this. You should approach the Lord every time, even when you screwed up. Because he wants you to. Don't hide from him. Adam tried that. Didn't work, did it? Did God find him in the garden anyway? Yes, he did. Don't be afraid of the consequences. Don't be afraid of anything. Just seek him. We have access to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. His throne is a, is a throne of grace. It always has been. God longs to fellowship with his children through prayer. And he longs to reward his children through our fasting. The Bible is clear about all of this. Hebrews and Matthew talk about it completely. And if you want to grow in becoming more like Jesus, then you're going to have to stay focused on Jesus Christ. You're going to have to pray and fast regularly and help keep yourself focused on Him. And more than that, when you mess up, don't hide from God. Go directly to Him. Now stand with me this morning. I've got a couple things I want to tell you. Marriage.com suggests that a lack of communication is the third leading cause to the breakdown in, in modern marriages. And I'm not surprised. That's a no-brainer to me. Because communication, my friends, is key to any relationship. Furthermore, communication is of utmost importance in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you say? Our spiritual growth is going to be in direct proportion to our communication with God. It always has been. And remember, when we pray, what are we doing? We're talking to God. But more than that, we're in fellowship with God. And when we read the Bible, God is talking to us. And the more we talk to God, and the more we allow God to talk to us, the more like His Son we become. Because He's the Word. And all of us need to hang out with God more than we do. Mm -hmm. And when this happens, then we'll pursue God more in the manner and way that He deserves, my friends, and demands. And guess what? We will benefit from it more than we possibly can know. And I got news for you. You hang out with God, God enjoys it, but you'll benefit a lot more than he will. Why? Because he's God. And he wants to bestow upon you every blessing. Amen? Let's get him. The altar is open today. Anybody needs to spend time here? No shame. Don't let Satan hold you in your pew. We'll come and pray for you or not. It's up to you. You want to be anointed? We'll do that. But seek the Lord while he may be found. If you can't kneel, then sit on the front pew, whatever. But come and say, here I am, Lord. Take me. Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.